In shock, I said it again, this time waiting for Dr. Keller to tell me I wasn't seeing the same thing she was seeing. It's not blinking. It's not blinking. Dr. Keller's chair squeaked as she turned to face me, lying there, feet in the stirrups, eyes frozen forward, heart searching for answers. There was no flutter of a heartbeat on the screen in front of me, only stillness. Tears welled up as she looked at me, her mouth forming the words I didn't want to believe. Sweetie, I'm so sorry. This just happened. From the looks of things, it was within the past 24 hours. I'm so sorry, but the baby has died. The room went still and my forward-moving life screeched to a halt. Time and space hovered above me, and everything seemed to be suddenly in slow motion. I'm not sure I was breathing. Half-naked on the table, I lay motionless as the ultrasound tech wiped the cold gel from my swollen belly. They would give my husband Jeremy and me some time to process the news before discussing next steps, since I was just entering my second trimester. We scheduled a DNC for the following Tuesday. It all felt like a blur of heartache and physical sickness. I knew a girl who had the same thing happen, and when she went back before the procedure, the baby's heart was beating again. Maybe this was a fluke. By Monday morning, surely everything would be okay. I held on to hope, fear, and denial in equal parts throughout the weekend. There was no heartbeat on Monday morning. The screen was still again, and my uterus was clearly collapsing around the tiny frame inside. I stared at the picture before me as this new salt spilled heavy on the wounds of my brokenness. On Tuesday, I was wheeled into an operating room as a kind nurse leaned over me, repeating, I'm right here. I won't leave you. Is that you, God? I wondered. The words came out of the nurse's mouth, but it felt as if they could have been his. Fat tears trailed down my cheeks as a mask was placed over my nose and mouth. Giant lights hung above me as a team of doctors and nurses moved quickly and spoke in hushed tones. I began breathing in and out, counting. One, two, three, four. The next thing I remember was waking up. Warm blankets around me, nothing left to hold but an empty womb. Odontochondrodysplasia is a fancy word for something is wrong. I sat curled with a blanket in the corner of the mossy chenille sofa in our den. It was mid-afternoon the day after the DNC that left my womb empty, and I was expecting a call from my close friend Emily to learn the gender of her baby. She was eight weeks ahead of me, so she and her husband were at the doctor that morning to find out if they'd be buying clothes in pink or blue. Despite my own pain, I anticipated the excitement of her news. The phone rang and the caller ID showed Emily's number. There's something really wrong, she said. They're sending us to the high-risk specialist right now. Something is really wrong. It's a boy, but something is really wrong. It's a boy was overshadowed by something is really wrong. In the space where I'd expected the cloud hovering over my spirit to part for just a few seconds, now it began to feel as though a new storm was rolling in over my life. My insides curled again. It was too much, not something wrong with her baby, too. I pulled the covers into my face and wept hard into the soft fibers. It took a few days, but eventually we learned that Emily's baby had what the doctors called odontochondrodysplasia. The short explanation was a form of dwarfism, they caused the baby's rib cage to be too small. They said it didn't appear that his ribs would be wide enough to house his eventually full-grown lungs. Perhaps they wouldn't even be wide enough to expand for a first breath outside the womb. 
It was a fatal diagnosis with only about eight recorded cases in history. The doctor said that Emily would probably go full term, but their hopes for the baby's survival were virtually non-existent. I remember the day Emily went to choose a burial site and gown, preparing for the end of the tiny life that continued growing inside her. We all spent the next few months praying and preparing for the moment when it would all be over. Just five minutes, Lord, aren't you the God of miracles? Became the cry of our hearts, a prayer simply that our friends might hold their baby alive. In the face of Emily's hardship on top of my own, I couldn't deny it anymore. There was nothing tidy about this life we were living. A Messy Life The month after our baby died and Emily received her horrible news, my husband and I left the church I had attended for 11 years. After more than a year of feeling like we were swimming the wrong way in the river that was our church, we finally admitted that we needed a change. 